Christmas to everyone. What a blessed day it is. Blessed day for us to gather as this community of Sacred Heart, for us to gather as families, so many families here present. It's a beautiful sight. Christmas is one of the greatest times of year for families to gather. I should know, my own family has decided to come and show up, and I'm going to embarrass them right now. I'm not going to ask you all to stand, but they are in the congregation, and they're probably beat red right now, especially my sisters. <laughs> but with families, there's always competition, especially with siblings. Me and my brother did a lot of fighting growing up. Very playful sometimes. We would always, you know, get into arguments about who was better at what, who was better at this, who was better at that. And there was always the question given to our parents. Which one of us is your favorite? Who's the favorite? Yeah, I'm sure no one else but me have had that thought, right? No one else but us. We have, we're the ones who talk about that all the time. Who's the favorite? So I have one brother, two sisters, and so it's very difficult for my parents to try to keep the peace in that situation. But them being clever like they are have figured out the right answer. So see, one of my sisters has a little girl, and they just say, well, Sophia is the, is the favorite, our niece, and we can't really argue with that. Who's the favorite? See, there's something that may seem like an innocent question, or maybe between siblings, not so innocent. But there's something behind that, why we ask the question. It's a question of who do you love more? Who do you love the most? See, we understand to a certain degree that we're all human. We're all limited, and we all, sometimes, because of that, there's differences in the way that we love each other. And any good parent knows that you don't love your ch different children if you have multiple children. You don't love them less or more than one or another. You love them differently. You love them depending on what they need at that given time. And every child needs different kinds of love. But we can still have that nagging thought, do they love me more or less than my brother or sister? And what's worse is that sometimes, because that's how we think on human terms, with our human parents, that that's what we think God is like. We ask the same question of God, maybe not in the form of a question, but we have the same thought. We think, God can't care about me. He's got so much to worry about. A whole universe. He doesn't care about me. That's how we think. That's perhaps how we think of God. And that's why it's sometimes hard to understand the God that we believe in as Catholics, as Christians, because the scriptures tell us he's a God who loves without end. He's a God who loves sinners, even when they were still sinners. Romans 
tells us, St. Paul's letter to the Romans tells us, even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. That is impossible to a certain extent for us to grasp. Because when we experience our parents' loves, or when we think about it, when we consider it, it's difficult for us to think with them that, hey, they can love all of us the same. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we experience in our world where it seems like because of the blessings that this person has or the struggles that this person has or all this and that, these pains, these struggles, this war here, that there, obviously God doesn't love us all the same, right? That's what we think when we look out and see all of this. See people who are suffering, people who are misunderstood, who are judged. We see injustices being portrayed as if they were the law. And we look at all the world around us and we say, this God that we talk about can't possibly exist. A God who loves us all eternally, fully. Each one of us. That can't happen. There was something I was reading this morning as I was preparing just for the day. It was a reflection on some another topic, but it was pertinent to this idea. As we enter into this Christmas season, there's a lot of questions that we can have. And one of those is, how can God love me the way that he claims he does? How can that God exist? And this is from a theologian named Peter von Bremen. And he says, if we think God is a person who can divide his love, then we are thinking not of God, but of ourselves. God is perfectly one, the perfect unity. We have love, but God is love. We have love. But God is love. His love is not an activity. It is his whole self. It's the most important lesson we can learn for us to grasp what it means to believe in the God of Christianity, in the God of Catholicism. God is not like us. That is the beauty of what we believe, especially today. God is not like us. God is not limited like us. God is not broken like us. He can love with a perfect love because he is perfect love. And I say, well, how can that be? When all this mess, this evil still exists, I look around and I see so many things wrong with this world. How can this God that loves us perfectly, all of us, exist when all of this is still here? It's very simple. It's because that is the kind of mess that God wanted to get involved in. What do I mean by that? So we read tonight for the Vigil Mass from the genealogy of Jesus Christ which is the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And you're probably listening, and we began 
those long lists of names, and it was, you know, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and so-and-so was the father, and so-and-so, and so on, and so on, and so on. And you're thinking the whole time, every time another name was, was added, it's like, okay, is this ever going to end? Like, just, ugh. Will this ever end? And you may have missed some of those names, or maybe you're not familiar with some of those names in the list. This is a very important reason, too, in fact, why we read the genealogy for the Vigil Mass at Christmas. Let me go back through some of these names. You have David, whom we know very well. David the king. David who slayed Goliath, the giant. David, who God set up as king of Israel and promised that he would establish his kingdom forever. But also the same David who killed Uriah in order that he could take Uriah's wife for himself. You have Abraham. Abraham is the father of the people of Israel. We've maybe heard of him, Father Abraham. He also doubted the Lord's promise and chose instead to have a child with his slave woman, Hagar, instead of trusting in the Lord's promise that he would have a child through Sarah, his wife. Think of the many kings that are listed in here. Ahaz. You think of Jeconiah, the one who was mentioned in the Babylonian exile. You think of so many like Manasseh, kings of Israel, kings of Judah, who were terrible people. They sinned. They led their people astray. They abused their people. They abused their power. And they were responsible for their own demise. These are the people in Jesus Christ's family tree. Think about that. Jesus Christ, God made incarnate, made man. Jesus who is the coming of God into humanity. Perfect God, perfect man. This Jesus Christ, his family tree was very messy. And he wasn't afraid of it. He chose to be born in that line of very sinful men and women. Especially all those kings he chose to be a part of that family. He chose to be a part of something messy. And what does it send to us? Two things it reminds us of is that God really became a human man in time. This is not a God who in some far off land, in some far off time that we have no record of that just happened to become incarnate or sort of incarnate. No, this was a God who was placed in history. This man, Jesus Christ, is someone whom we know and we have records of outside of the scriptures. This man was real 
and he was really God. And second, he was someone who was not afraid to get messy, was not afraid to get involved in our mess, was not afraid of sin. He entered into a very broken human family because he wanted to redeem it. He desired more than anything from within the brokenness of the human family that we are all part of to make it new, to make it something beautiful, to bring about eternal life. The incarnation which we celebrate tonight on this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day makes no sense until we get to this point. When we see Christ, God made man, the perfect man, bring about redemption through the most gruesome act of violence and torture on the cross. God is not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of your mess in your life. He's not afraid of anything that you have to present to him. He wants to be a part of it. That is why this night is so important. Why this feast day is so crucial to us. Because here in the creche, on the cross, in all the signs that we point to, is a reminder to us that God wants to be a part of your mess. You and me. He desires, his love is not so limited, so weak, that he has to love us all differently, and he has to love us all, someone more than this one, someone less than this one. His love is perfect, and it desires more than anything to be a part of your life, to redeem it, to bring peace, to bring joy, to bring meaning into the desperation that we all sense from time to time from the sense of frustration and meaninglessness as we struggle looking out on all the world. God wants to be a part of that. God wants to be a part of your life. That is what the scriptures tell us. That is what he is telling us through them. That's why this night is so important. That's why we enter into this night with such festivity. Because tonight, God reminds each one of us, I want to be a part of your mess. I don't care how broken you are. I want to be a part of that. I want to be with you. I want to bring your life the meaning you've been searching for the hope that you've been searching for, the love that you have been desperately searching for. I want to bring that to you. And all that is asked of us in return is simply to say yes. To say, yes, Lord, come and be with me. Come and fill me with your love. Come and let me know the love that you have for me, that you showed me in becoming man in that crush, 
in, in Bethlehem. Lord, come and be with me. Come and lead me along the path of life so I may always know your love. And let us pray that we would be open in that way. That as the Lord presents to each one of you, each one of us here, how much he loves us through this great feast of the, our Lord's nativity. Say yes. Let him in. Let him know how much you desire to know him.